Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in St. Matthew's Gospel. Read there in the second chapter, verses 1 and 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. I hope that you are very comfortable, that you are feeling at home here in church, and that you know that you are among friends. As all of us realize, today is the first Sunday of the new year, 1971. We are standing just within the portals of this new year. And also in the Christian church, we are celebrating the festival of the Epiphany. It is perhaps the oldest festival in the Christian church. It always comes on January the 6th, which is Wednesday of this week. The Eastern Orthodox Christian churches celebrate January the 6th as their Christmas rather than December the 25th as we celebrate Christmas here in the Western Hemisphere. We may say, what does this word epiphany mean? It means a shining forth. It means a manifestation. It means a setting forth. It commemorates the time when the wise men from the east came and Jesus was manifested to them. You see, when the angel announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, the shepherds were Jewish people, and they met Jesus. But when, again, the wise men came from the east, they were Gentiles, non-Jewish people, and they were introduced to Jesus. And so the festival of Epiphany, it goes under several names. The name, again, the festival of the three wise men, the festival of the Gentile Christmas, the festival of the 12th day, counting from December the 25th to January the 6th. It is also called the festival of lights. It is the Gentile Christmas. And so today, as we celebrate the festival of Epiphany, the coming of the wise men, this oldest of the Christian festivals, again, we are saying this. We are saying, what child is this who was born in Bethlehem of Judea? And we're asking this morning the wise men. Wise men, what child is this who was born in Bethlehem centuries ago? And the answer of the wise men, those who were Gentiles, is this. Why, he is no less than the king of the Jews, and in addition, he is also the king of the Gentiles. He is the king of all people, both Jew and Gentiles. And the wise men would say, he is worthy of your worship, he is worthy of your commitment, he is worthy of your surrender to him. And you and I on this Epiphany Festival, we may say, well, just because this child is no less than the king of the Jews and in addition, the king of the Gentiles, that he is not only the king of the Jewish people, but the king of all Gentile nations as well, 
Uh, does it follow, therefore, that he is worthy of your commitment and mine, of our surrender? We may say again this morning, uh, what has he ever done for me as the king of the Jews and the king of the Gentiles? What am I going to get out of it if I surrender my life, body and soul to him, and if I worship and adore him as my king? Uh, what is he doing for me? We may say, what has he done for you and me? What is he doing for us now? And what is he going to do for you and me in the future? And as we ask the wise men, why is this Christ child, this king of the Jews and also king of the Gentiles, why is he worthy of our commitment? The wise men would remind you and me this morning that in the word of God, we are assured that again he has gone all out for you and me. He has thought of everything for us. There isn't anything that he has forgotten. And on this epiphany and also this first Sunday of 1971, we want to look at this child and we want to say to ourselves, what has he done? He has gone all out. Isn't there something else that as the king of the Jews and in addition the king of the Gentiles that he could do for you and me that would make him more worthy of our commitment and of our surrender? And the wise men in the first place remind you and me of this, that the word of God assures us that this child is no less than the king of the Jews and in addition the king of the Gentiles who came into this world to bear the guilt and the punishment not only of the Jewish people but but also of the Gentiles. That means you and that means me. You know, when we read the Old Testament, we may wonder about this Jesus as the King, as the Savior. We may say to ourselves, did he come to be the Savior of all men or was he only to be the Savior of the Jewish race? As you read the Old Testament, we find that again, Abraham was the father of a nation and Jesus was from this very nation of Abraham. He was from the tribe of Judah. He was from the family of David. He was, to be sure, a Jew. And when you and I look in the Old Testament, we say there is no mission project in the Old Testament at all. There was no going out and propagating of the faith in the Old Testament. We may say to ourselves, could it be that when Jesus was born that he was only intended to be the Savior, to be the King of the Jewish nation? The Old Testament again may say to you and me, uh, here is a people that God raised up. He enclosed them. He made them a peculiar people. They weren't even allowed to eat pork. Not that there was anything wrong with pork, but again that they were not to associate with non-Jews. They were not to associate with Gentile individuals. And yet as we look back in the Old Testament, we say to ourselves, going back to the time of Noah, when Noah blessed his oldest son Shem and said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, we realize that Jesus the King was to be a Shemite. He was to be a Jew. But we must also remember that when Noah blessed his second son, he said, Japheth shall dwell in the tents of Shem. And Japheth was the father of all Gentile nations. So we see prophecy in the Old Testament as regarding, again, the Gentile world, but there was no mission program whatsoever. Then there was Isaiah that says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, for Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. So in the Old Testament there was prophecy as regards this very seed of the woman, this king being also the king of Gentile nations, and you and I know that in his bloodstream he was not pure Jew because there flowed in his veins the blood of Rahab who was the harlot of Jericho and there was the blood of Ruth the Moabitess who was a Gentile because they were the antecedents of David. And so again he was not a pure Jewish blood. There was an inkling 
that again he was to be intended for the Gentiles. But when Jesus was born, then something occurred that is tremendous. There came wise men from the east. You know, we'd like to know a lot about them. We say, who were these wise men from the east? Where did they come from? Well, again, the Word of God doesn't tell us, but if you and I were to surmise, I don't think it's difficult to decide where they came from. If you remember in the Old Testament, the year 586 B.C., when the southern kingdom was destroyed, Nebuchadnezzar carried the Jew into Babylon, into captivity, and there he lived for 70 years. Evidently, the place that we would guess where the wise men came from was Babylon, about 800 miles east of Palestine. The Jew lived down there for seven years and the Jew was treated very well by the Babylonians and told of again the great promise that had been given to their nation that there would come a great king, that there would come a great savior, the seed of the woman. Evidently they came from far off in Babylon and they came guided by a star we may say. Oh, we've heard again, and you and I looked out in the eastern sky here recently, and we found that again, once in 800 years, uh, there was again quite a display of the planets and the star. And we said to ourselves, maybe this was it. But the best explanation here was a miraculous star that God used to guide astrologers. They were the astronomers of that day to come from far off Babylon to come to Jerusalem. We say, how many were there? We don't know. But again, because they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh, tradition says there were three. Tradition gives them names, Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar, although the word of God doesn't do that. We make them kings because Isaiah said, kings should come to the brightness of thy rising. And some feel this was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. But again, they were Gentiles. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God by a star reached over into Babylon about 800 miles east and brought a caravan of Gentiles and they came to Jerusalem and they wanted to know where is this king of the Jews. And strangely enough, Jerusalem knew nothing about it. King Herod didn't know anything about it. His coming didn't mean too much in the city. And when Herod heard about it, he called together the chief priests and scribes, and he said, where was this king to be born? And Herod was very much perturbed because here was a rival to the throne. And Herod didn't like that. And when Herod got again excited, the people were afraid because he was a bloodthirsty individual. And so again, the chief priests and the scribes said, well, the king was to be born in Bethlehem because the prophet Micah had said, but thou Bethlehem Ephraim. So they knew where he was to be born. Then Herod called the wise men in a private gathering with him and he wanted to know about what time did this star appear. He's trying to find out how old would this child, this upstart, this king be. And again, when he had found out all the information, he told them to go to Bethlehem. And they started to Bethlehem, six miles from Jerusalem. And when they did, the star appeared again. And it guided them to Bethlehem and said to the place where Jesus was. And they went into the house. Jesus was no longer now in the manger. The wise men didn't come until later. In the meantime, Jesus at the age of eight had been circumcised as every Jewish boy was. And then as we heard last Sunday on the 40th day, Mary and Joseph had taken him to Jerusalem. And again, they had offered the sacrifice which exempted him as the eldest child and the purification offering that Mary gave for herself for having born a child. And they intended, as they came back to Bethlehem, evidently, to live there permanently and not to go back to Nazareth. They were back in Bethlehem, and now we are told they lived in a home. In view of the fact that Herod killed the little boys from two years on and down, 
you and I might suspect that it could have been almost two years before the wise men arrived, and here were Mary and Joseph living in Bethlehem in a house. But they went in and they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. We may say to ourselves this morning, is this child worthy of my commitment because he is not only the king of the Jew but also the king of the Gentile world? And you and I can say to be sure, the word of God assures us, God in reaching over into Babylon and bringing wise men assures us that this Christ came into the world to bear the guilt and the punishment not only of the Jewish race but also of all races because he was true God and he was true man born of the Virgin Mary without sin very capable and therefore he is worthy of our commitment because this is the one, this child who brought deliverance from hell and eternal punishment and the gift of eternal life not only for the Jewish people but also for us who are Gentiles this is the king this is our epiphany king whom again we worship and we commit ourselves to to this day we ought to therefore say to ourselves as we're now we've entered a new year and we say what about him shall I commit myself to this king of the Jews who is in addition the king of the Gentile nations you and I ought to say to ourselves he is worthy of my best of my committing myself body and soul and taking him along because when we have him along, we know that we have someone who will help us as we face temptations in this new year. We may say, what's going to come in 1971? Young friends, what's going to come is more of what you've seen in 1970. That is temptations. And know what temptations in this 20th century are coming to you, especially you young people. Again, Satan is certainly tempting, inviting you, Satan and the world in your own flesh, to forget about God, to forget about Jesus Christ. This is old stuff. This is, again, this is the opiate of the people you're being told. You've got to forget God because, you see, if you can forget God and you can forget Christ, young friends, then you can be tempted into everything. Temptation to immorality. Temptation, again, to throw virtue aside. You're being told that the way to live, this is the thing for dope. Go out and drink it all in from A to Z. If you can forget God, then you see, again, you can say, then there isn't anything that is right or wrong. There isn't such a thing as morality. But may I say to you this morning that just as surely as, again, God lives, you must realize there is a day of accountability. When Archlinkletter is going around and he's doing a fine job in telling of the evils of dope because of what it did to his daughter who took her own life, all that he can do is to come to young people and reason with them on an intellectual basis that intellectually and as far as your physical body is concerned, this is wrong. But may I realize and I know this and may I appeal to you on the basis also of your emotion. You see, we are not ruled by our intelligence. You and I are emotional people. May I remind you, young friends, of the accountability of your soul and mind before God. This is the thing. Someday you and I will stand before him. When we realize a sense of accountability, let us know this, that in our emotions it's going to take a feeling and a determination we're going to say no to these things. And if you take this Christ with you, and you go into this year 1971 with him, I don't care what temptations may come. I don't care what temptations to immorality and incest and dope. If you've got him and you turn to him for strength, there will be strength to say no. You are accountable to God. Don't let anybody tell you that there isn't a standard of right and wrong. 
that there isn't something that is right in the sight of God. Let no one tell you that you will not stand before God and be accountable for him. And then there will be joy in this year, 1971, for you. The joy of a conscience that no longer troubles. The joy of a conscience that doesn't give you a sense of guilt or a conscience that will drive you to despair and despondency, even to the taking of your own life. This is Epiphany. This is, again, the Gentile Christmas. This is the time when God reached in and bringing the wise men from the east, let the world know that this Jesus, who certainly came from the Jewish line, who certainly was the king of the Jews in addition also, he was to be the king of the Gentiles. He was to be the king of all people. And again, as that king is gone all out, because the wise men would remind you and me also in the second place that the word of God assures us that this child is no less then the king of the Jews and in addition the king of the Gentiles who returned to heaven to institute a tremendous missionary program. We may say, what's he doing for me today? What's he doing for me? Well, when he arose from the dead, you recall that up in Galilee on a mountain he met his followers, about 500 of them, and he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There was to be a mission program. And on the day when he ascended to heaven 40 days after Easter, you recall when he spoke to the eleven, he told them, You shall be witnesses of me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And he told them to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And ten days later on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And here was to be a tremendous mission project. And so this king of the Jews... And this king of the Gentiles went back to heaven in what a tremendous missionary program. It started, you know, at his birth when God reached over and brought from far away Babylon wise men, Gentiles, bringing them and having Jesus manifested to them. Here is your Savior. Here is your king too, even as he is the king of the Jewish race. And what a mission program he started. Peter who was the head of the twelve, became the great missionary amongst the Jews. And then God says, separate me, this man Saul or Paul, as you and I know him. When he became converted on the Damascus way, Christ said, you're going to be my missionary. And oh, what a thrilling story it is in the book of Acts when we go to, again, Antioch in Syria, where Christians were first called Christians, and God sent out Paul and Barnabas and John Mark, and they left Antioch and came down to the island of Cyprus. This was missionary work. And up into Asia Minor, stopping at Antioch and Pisidian, they came to Iconium and Lystra, where they met Timothy, you remember, and they came to Derby. That was the first missionary journey. Again, the church was spreading out. Jesus, the King, letting the world know, I came to be the Savior you're the king of all men. Then on the second missionary journey when Paul came to ancient city of Troy in Asia Minor and Paul said, I wanted to go north and the Spirit said no and I wanted to go south and the Spirit said no. And then there was that vision of the man in Macedonia that says, come over to Macedonia. That means come over into Europe. And you call the very next day Paul and Luke. Again, they set sail and crossed the Aegean and they came into the continent of Europe. Not too many Jews living then. They went up into Macedonia. They went up again to the city of Philippi and there weren't enough Jews there even to have a synagogue. On the Sabbath they went up to the riverbank, you remember, and they met Lydia and he established a congregation. Here was missionary work bringing again the saving gospel. Here is life and salvation for the Gentile world. 
and from Philippi down into Thessalonica and Thessalonica down into Berea and then over into Athens, the citadel of learning of that day and then down in Corinth for 18 months. That was the second missionary journey. And the third, when you recall, when he covered again the same territory of the first two missionary journeys and then into Asia Minor, into Ephesus, where he established a tremendous Christian congregation in Asia Minor and he worked there for three years and then as a prisoner on his way, finally coming into Rome, this was the great history of missions. What is Jesus, this king, doing for you and me right now? Again, a tremendous missionary program that the church has been mission-minded. The church has been a church that said we are sent to the world. We are to go out and to bring the knowledge of Christ and life and salvation. And therefore, what does it mean? The fact that missionary programs have been adapted by the church and when the church has failed that individual mission societies grew up and they preached the gospel you and I are hearing the gospel right now this is what he's doing here is life here is salvation in Jesus Christ who is not only the king of the Jew but he's the king of the Gentile for 2,000 years Jesus Christ has kept it alive and I know we're hearing a lot of confusion in the church about its mission program, that there are those who are saying we've got to siphon off the money for missions and we've got to use it in order to help people who were poor and the downtrodden. We dare not forget the poor and the downtrodden, but let me tell you, we dare not forget uh, that the king of the Jews and the king of the Gentiles says, go you into all the world. This is the edict. This is the mandate of the king of the Jews. God again tremendously on that time reached over into Babylon and brought some wise men to Jerusalem and down to Bethlehem. This is the king of all people. And therefore again, this is what he's doing. We ought to say to ourselves then as we've entered 1971, I wonder how many of us say, I'm committing myself to him and in this year, this is the year in my life when I'm going to win somebody for Jesus Christ. I'm going to start at home. How many of us in our own homes have got those who don't know him? What does it mean that you look at a loved one and you say, here's a man without Jesus Christ, he's lost, he's dead. When death comes to him, he's going to hell because he has rejected Jesus Christ. How many of us have got enough concern for a man's eternal welfare in our own home? We're saying to ourselves, this is the year I'm not going to die till I win somebody for Jesus Christ. And you do it beloved, don't you? If we've made mistakes, if our kids don't like us, Maybe this is the year to sit down and say, I have sinned and I'm sorry and forgive me. Maybe I have lost my temper. Maybe I haven't shown any love and concern, but I am concerned. Maybe this is the year of years in your home and mine when we say, but I am concerned about your eternal welfare. Note to God that you knew Jesus Christ and that you knew the peace that comes in him. That you and I, if we could just win one soul and say, this is my reason for living in 1971, it means joy this year, or that when death comes to somebody, it may be a joyous experience. I think of the man who was traveling at night in pitch darkness, and he knew he had to cross a river. He was going along, it was cold, and he was afraid because he couldn't see. And when he came to the river again, there was ice, and he wondered, is the ice frozen all the way over? He got down on his hands and knees, and he started to crawl, and he reached out ahead. Am I going to plunge into a hole in the ice? And will I again need a watery grave? And he was crawling along, scared to death, when not far away he happened to see a light, a lantern. And he heard somebody singing. And he heard a team of horses. And he looked and he saw an outline. Here was a man with a team. He had the horses and the team. And he had a lantern on. He was riding over the river and singing. 
And he got up and he realized, oh, again, that he didn't have to be afraid in the dark, that he could walk across the river. Or maybe somebody in your home and mine may have to cross the Jordan this year. And if you and I can bring them to Jesus Christ, that they can cross it without being afraid, that they can know that again, they're going to reach the other side in Jesus Christ. This is the joy that can be yours and mine in this year, 1971. This is Epiphany. That's why we've still got our Christmas decorations up. Again, this is the Gentile Christmas. This is the commemoration of this babe who, again, was of the Jewish line, to be sure, but he came to be the Savior of the entire world. He came to be the Gentile Savior. And again, what's he going to do? Well, the wise move would remind you me that the Word of God assures us that this child, he is no less than, again, the King of the Jews, and in addition, the King of the Gentiles, who's going to come again. And it was going to reap a tremendous harvest, both of Jew and of Gentile. Here in the day, without race prejudice, without hatred against a man because of the color of his skin or his previous condition of servitude, there will be an eternity where we shall stand before the throne of our God throughout all eternity in righteousness. This is this king whom, again, the wise men came to worship God reached over with a star, with a tremendous miracle, and brought them from far away Babylon to let the world know this Jesus, he's the king of the Jews, oh yes, but he's something more. In addition, he is the king of the Gentile world today. And if we could just, again, surrender ourselves to him, say, I'm going to take him along in this year. We ought to take him along and be glad that we have him as we surrender to him both body and soul because, again, there are going to be adversities this year. There are going to be disappointments. Did you ever realize the disappointments of the wise men? They thought Herod was sincere when Herod said, you go and find him, then come back and tell me all about him, and then I'll go worship him too. But in a dream, you know, when they had found the Christ child, God warned them and said, don't go back to Herod because Herod wants to kill the child. Disappointed in the king. But again, they went home another way. And that very night, an angel came to Joseph and said, get up and take the child and his mother and get out of Bethlehem and go to Egypt because Herod is going to kill this child if he gets a hold of him. And then there came the killing, you know, of the boys two years and under, Rachel weeping for her children, and she would not be comforted because they were not. There will be adversities this year. Who can measure them? There will be disappointments. Who can anticipate them? Oh, I think of another Joseph that lived down in Egypt 2,000 years before Mary and Joseph went down. Can you imagine what it must have meant to Joseph, the son of Jacob, when his brothers were going to kill him and then decided to throw him into an abandoned well and to leave him there to starve to death? And then suddenly, when there were some Midianites coming along, traitors, they sold him into slavery. Can you imagine what it must have meant to Joseph when he pled with his own brothers, don't sell me as a slave. For goodness sakes, I'm your brother, but they didn't care. Took a young lad down into Egypt, a slave, as far as he knew for the rest of his life, bought by Potiphar and in his home. And when his wife made advances, it meant that again she lied about him and he ended in jail for two years. You talk about disappointments. God gave him the ability to interpret dreams and then he came before Pharaoh, you remember the story, and interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and then again when the days came 
when there was a famine in the land and here came ten brothers to Egypt and they needed food and Joseph saw them. And I would say when he saw those cutthroats who sold him into slavery, he had the power to kill them and he did. But he wanted to know, do you have another brother? And they said yes. And he said, go get him. When you and I talk about disappointments, when they came back and Benjamin was there, old Joseph could have taken revenge. But again, he held out as long as he could and ran over to Benjamin because Benjamin was his right brother, you know. Joseph and Benjamin were from Rachel, the beloved wife of Jacob, and he threw his arms around him and he said, I'm your brother Joseph. He forgave. And you talk about disappointment. Some of us, we say, I'm disappointed. The war isn't over. I haven't heard from my son. How about my boy, my husband over there in Vietnam? Oh, God only knows. But this I do know. That when you and I take Jesus Christ along, when the disappointments come, and when the adversities come, there will be strength to bear. There will be this joy. We will live with enthusiasm. We will say, but the best is yet to come. I don't know whether you and I will be alive to see the end of this year. I don't know whether, again, I will still be the pastor of this congregation at the end of this year. God alone knows these things but I do know this when you and I commit ourselves to him and we go on this path that we haven't trod before and we take him along we can go along with enthusiasm if individuals break our hearts it's only for a little while if we are disappointed in those whom we have served it's only for a little while the, the best is yet to come you see the wise men came and they found him to be not only the king of the Jew, but also your king and mine, the king of the Gentile world. Having him, then everything looks bright, and we can go along the glory road, and we can sing as with the wise men. We three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star, O star of yonder star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. When we can sing on the glory road, the perfect light, the epiphany light, the king of the Jews, yes, but in addition, the king of the Gentiles, then everything is going to be just right. May yours be a blessed new year. Amen. The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.